church, we have a mission. We have a story to tell, and God wants to use every one of our stories. He doesn't want us to be silent about our faith. And this week, next weekend, we have incredible opportunity in our community to lift up Jesus. I want you to know that every church in Ridgecrest is limping along. There is not one church that's thriving. Every church is struggling. But there is one ministry that is shining the light, and it's not a church. It's called Lighthouse. And you know what? God's doing uh, some amazing things there. I'm I'm thankful that uh, the Lighthouse has partnered with us in this ministry. A church, we have the responsibility to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, and we have a tremendous responsibility next week. And I know that there's going to be a la- at least 140 people in attendance next week, because that's how many volunteers that we have to pull this event off. But I want Ridgecrest, the churches of Ridgecrest. To fill up the center. To hear what Christ has done for them. And just see what God will do. And so church, who's your one? If God hasn't given you that one yet because you're kind of intimidated by, about that one, Stop being intimidated. We looked at Jesus' ministry two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, in the fact when he called Matthew the tax collector. Nobody liked Matthew. Everybody avoided Matthew. But Jesus saw beyond the surface someone who needed him, someone who was hurting, someone who was on, on the outside that nobody liked. And Jesus called Matthew to come follow him. And he left everything. Two weeks ago, Fred stood before us and he talked about the paralytic and the four friends that he had and they were burdened for him. And they knew that only Jesus could be the answer to this man's issue. I guess they were thinking that maybe that Jesus would just heal him physically, and he did. But Jesus saw far deeper. And when he looked into the eyes of his friends and saw their faith, he healed him physically. But first he said, young man, your sins are forgiven. Because that was what was most important. And then to prove to everybody else that he could forgive sin, he said, now, pick up your mat and walk. Powerful story. But his friends believed that Jesus was the answer to this man's life. And then last week, 
We talked about heaven and hell and how real that is. And church, he's called us to this mission. He wants us to be fishers of men. And we all have a part to play. And so this morning, I want us to look at what God can do with an ordinary life. Because I think probably everyone, all of us here in this room, were probably rather ordinary. And we're thinking to ourselves, well, God couldn't possibly use me. Well, let's look at John chapter 1. We start with verse 35. And uh, before verse 35, uh, John, the disciple who wrote this book, has uh, been giving testimony of who John the Baptist is. And and, uh, John has uh, baptized Jesus up to this point. And then in verse 35, the Bible says, The next day, again... John, John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples. Who were the two disciples? Well, we're going to learn of one of their names. Uh, that disciple is going to be Andrew, as we read our text. The other disciple is probably John. He's not mentioned in this text, but uh, this is most likely the other, other disciple. But, he, but John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? In essence, what they're saying is, Hey, we want to hang out with you. Verse 39, and he said to them, come and you will see me. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed Jesus, and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Andrew spent the night, he and John, the apostle, they both spent the night with Jesus that night. They wanted to get to know who this Jesus is. That their, 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 um, their mentor, John the Baptist, said, Behold, the Lamb of God. That caught their attention. And so they chose to follow Jesus. They went and they spent the evening with Jesus. And the next day, when Andrew got up, he immediately went and found his brother, Peter. Now, the rest is history. But I want to ask you, I mean, how, I mean, we know all about the story of Peter, don't we? I mean, Peter became the leader of the apostles. And uh, 
when it comes to the life of Andrew, he was rather ordinary. Andrew is only mentioned three times in the New Testament. First time here. Uh, the second story is uh, about the five loaves, the two fish, and the fact how Jesus fed the multitude. And the third story is in John chapter 12, where Greeks were looking for Jesus, uh, Gentiles, uh, when it came when it was that Passover week, and uh, Peter and Philip brought the Greeks to Jesus, and Jesus shared with them. So only three times in scripture where Andrew is mentioned. And so here Andrew is, and he brings Peter to Jesus. Jesus takes one look at at Peter, and Jesus changes his name. And the rest is history, and and Peter did amazing things. He was was the leader of the disciples. Uh, Post-resurrection and ascension, Peter preached the gospel, and on two different occasions, thousands of people came to Christ. One, 3,000, another 5,000. We looked at uh, 1 Peter uh, a couple months ago, and uh, Peter wrote two books of the New Testament. We're going to be looking at at 2 Peter following this uh, series in a couple weeks. But God used Peter in amazing ways. But I want you to know, church, that God used an ordinary man in Andrew as well in bringing Peter to Jesus. And if you consider yourself ordinary this morning, like I consider myself ordinary, I got good news for you. God wants to use you and me as well. How does God use an ordinary person like Andrew? What can an ordinary person do in life? Three things this morning, and they're really simple, of how you can be an Andrew. Number one, spend time with Jesus. Be convinced Jesus is the Messiah. Before Andrew went to Peter, Andrew spent time with Jesus. And in that relationship, and all that Jesus had shared, Andrew was convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. If you're not spending time with Jesus... And that's what this Who's Your One is all about, is you having the opportunity daily to get alone with God, allow God to speak to your heart, and just bring that one before the Lord. And if you're not having that time alone with Christ, you know what? You're probably not very concerned about lost people around you. It first begins with a love relationship with him. Let me tell you the story of an ordinary person who uh, brought one to Jesus. Um, There was this uh, 
this Sunday school teacher. I don't know if he was teaching junior high boys or high school boys, but uh, there was this one young man that came into his class. And um, he gave, um, gave him a Bible, and he said, you know, we're, we're studying uh, out of uh, John this morning. And so uh, go ahead and turn to John. And as he took that Bible, the teacher realized, his name, teacher's name was Mr. Kimball. The teacher realized that um, he didn't know where John was. And the other boys in the class were looking at this young man, and they realized that he didn't know where John was either. And uh, as quickly as the teacher could, the uh, teacher gave uh, this young man his Bible that was open to John, and he took the other Bible. But he knew that through that, that there wasn't a whole lot of religious background in this young man's life. And so that week, this was in the day and age where Sunday school teachers went and they visited those in their, in their class, visited prospects for their class. And this Sunday school teacher, Mr. Kimball, went to find this young man who was working at a shoe store. And he went to the back where he was uh, stacking shoes, shoe boxes, and he began to share the gospel of Jesus. And D.L. Moody can remember uh, Mr. Kimball sharing the gospel with tears in his eyes. And that convicted his heart that this man cared, and this man cared about him, this young man, D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody realized that he was a sinner, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ right there in that shoe store. Now, we don't know this Mr. Gimble. He was just an ordinary man. But we've heard the stories about the life and testimony of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, it's estimated, traveled more than a million miles and addressed more than 100 million people during his evangelistic career. He founded uh, the Moody Bible College. God used D.L. Moody in remarkable ways. But it took an Andrew to bring D.L. Moody to Jesus. This teacher knew Jesus. This teacher was convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. And that this young man needed Jesus in his life. Andrew went to, the, to Peter and said, Peter, I have found the Messiah. Come and see. Now, did Andrew know everything about Jesus? Did Andrew know that... Uh, First off, he was going to come as the suffering servant? Probably not. Andrew was probably convinced that this was going to be the guy that was going to overthrow the Roman government. Okay? So he didn't know a whole lot about Jesus. But he was convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. 
and says, Peter, come and see. I have found the Messiah. You know what? I think for a lot of us, we don't share. We're afraid because we don't know it all. Would you stop that? You don't have to know it all. You just tell your story. You just tell what you know, and you let God do the rest. Plant the seeds. You know, I'm thankful that um, Rob Osterham's come on staff. Uh, he he uh, retired from the base, and uh, he wanted to... Um, <clears throat> to make himself more available to the church. And, and he's come on as our administrator, uh, overseeing uh, facilities and, and finances. And you know what? That's been a huge blessing in my life personally. You know, I, I don't have to worry about that stuff. And I can do things like this uh, citywide crusade. And I've um, become a volunteer chaplain at the hospital. And, you know, I'm going around to the rooms and uh, introducing myself and asking if I can pray, pray with them. And, and uh, you know, I'm not in there uh, sharing the gospel immediately. I'm, I'm just going in there concerned with where they're at and asking if I can pray with them. And then I pray with them and I ask, well, how are you doing, you know, emotionally through all of this? And they may share more things, or it may just be a a simple and short conversation. And if so, I'll just go on to the next room. But I have found in some of these conversations, they want to know more, share more. And I haven't completely shared the gospel with somebody yet, but I let them know that I care and I pray with them. And guess what? It's just a seed. And it's Jesus is going to use that seed. Our devotional time this morning in, in a day, what are we, day 22 or 23 of the devotion? It is the Spirit of God that does a work in a person's heart in coming to Christ. We just testify. We've got to spend time with Jesus. We've got to be convinced that Jesus truly is the answer. That's the first thing I see in how to be an Andrew. Jesus doesn't want us to be a silent witness. You know, we've heard that that quote before that uh, always preach the gospel. And sometimes these words, that's, that's not right. It's not just through our silent witness that we share the gospel. If, if you're convinced of that, it's like trying to give somebody else your phone number without giving them the digits. You know what? We've got to tell our story. 
We've got to not just be that silent witness through our good deeds, but we need to say something as well. But again, you don't have to know it all. Just tell your story. And then number two, let Jesus save them. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Andrew didn't argue with Peter. He just, I have found the Messiah. You know what Philip going on in verses 43 through 49? Let's read that text. Um, The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus Nazareth, Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And that's a story in and of itself, but I'm not going to go there this morning. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree and I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of kings. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. All Philip said to Nathaniel is, I have found the Messiah. Nathaniel, come and see for yourself. And it was through the, Nathaniel's conversation with Jesus that Nathaniel believed. You don't have to try to win an argument to bring somebody to Christ. Guess what? You'll never win an argument in bringing somebody to Christ. It is just through your love and concern. You know, like Craig said last week, you know, don't be looking for that silver bullet thinking that that's going to be the bullet that saves them. No. You just love them, care for them, and be convinced that Jesus can save them. And only Jesus can save them. You know, there was a... When I was uh, first at Cal Baptist uh, many moons ago, I had several jobs. Um, one job was a dishwashing job at the school cafeteria. I hated that job. I think I lasted six weeks in that job. I had another job where I was uh, a custodian. I cleaned offices at night after hours, and, and that was okay. And then I came across another job where um, I was, um, I don't know what I was, a counselor? 
really didn't understand that job, but I was at the Boys and Girls Club, and I had some kind of res- responsibility. I really didn't get the mission all that well, but, uh, you know, just kind of uh, make sure that the kids weren't destroying things, I guess, at the facility when we saw all kinds of kids. And there was this one, there was this one kid. I didn't lead this young man to the Lord. Um, another guy at Cal Baptist led this guy to the Lord. But uh, this guy was, um, uh, I can't describe him. He was just out of control. He would come, he'd be angry, and um, uh, he was hard to relate to. You know, he'd come to the football, foot, foosball table, and he'd tear off, uh, you know, one of the, guy, the foosball players' heads. And uh, that happened on a few occasions, but, um, you know, David was very patient with him and built a relationship with him, shared the gospel with this young man, and Jesus saved him. Um, I I met him um, a couple years after that. Uh, David brought him to the church at Emmanuel Highland, and uh, this young man was in the ROTC at this point in high school. And his life had transformed. So that was that was one story. But then the the one story that um, a gal named Cheryl. In fact, I tried to find Cheryl on Facebook uh, this morning, uh, wondering what was going on with Cheryl. But and I thought I found her in Texas, but that wasn't the Cheryl. But uh, Cheryl had a rough background. She had a rough home life. She would come into the, the, the club, and uh, she was just needy for att- attention. And uh, we got a re- uh, conversation, a relationship going um, about, uh, you know, she was wanting to know what I did and, and uh, why I was going to Cal Baptist and uh, why I was there at the boys' club and I just, I just knew she was ripe for the gospel. And uh, I shared gospel with, with Cheryl, and Cheryl gave her heart to Jesus. Now, Cheryl was really rough around the edges. Uh, she was very socially awkward. She had a, a big filter, if you know what I mean. And uh, she, she gave her heart to Jesus. She was excited about it. She, uh, she wanted to be baptized. So I took her to the church. I was at, at Emmanuel in San Bernardino at that point. And Cheryl got baptized. And my, that's a story in and of itself. But I don't have time to share it today. But uh, it was obvious that God was working in her life. Just, just a few days after, I don't know, it was after the baptism or when she prayed the prayer, she said, guess what, Bill? She said, I led two of my friends to Christ today. I said, you led two of your friends to Christ. How did, how did you do that? And she just, she said very plainly, I just told them what Jesus had done in my life and that he could do it in their life. Jesus changed Cheryl's life. She enrolled at Cal Baptist College uh, uh, after she graduated from high school. 
I have no idea how she got into California Baptist College, but it was a God thing, obviously. And I wish I knew more about how God had worked in her life. But for Cheryl, she was able to lead her friends to Christ simply by just telling others what Jesus had done for her. She didn't know everything. It doesn't take a lot. Just be a witness and trust the Holy Spirit because it's only the Holy Spirit who can save them, not your words. So spend time with Jesus. Let Jesus save them. And then number three, be a bringer. Be a bringer. Church, I want to be a church where uh, you can bring people here who aren't lost and they have the opportunity to hear the good news of the gospel. We need to be bringers. We have a perfect opportunity this weekend. We need to get as many as many teenagers there on Friday night as is possible because we've got a hundred and thirty five pizzas to consume in thirty minutes. That's going to take a lot of kids. The reason why we're doing that silly thing, because some of those kids are going to come to that event and they're going to hear about Jesus and they are going to give their lives to Christ. It's not a bait and switch. This is a ministry of love that the churches of this community care about teenagers. If you know some teenagers, bring them. Andrew just brought Peter to Jesus. And Jesus did the rest. Andrew brought a boy with five loaves and two fishes. Andrew really didn't know what Jesus was going to do with that lunch, but my, what he did with that lunch. He was just obedient and bringing this lunch to Jesus. And I don't know what happened to these Gentiles in John chapter 12. Jesus shared with them, and God does the rest. But every time we see Andrew, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. Come and see. And the point of this message is that Andrew is just one ordinary person who brought people to Jesus. I don't know how many Christians can name all 12 disciples. I don't know how many Christians know that Andrew was one of the disciples. But Andrew realized it wasn't about Andrew. It was about Jesus. If his brother got all the accolades, he got all the ink in the New Testament, okay with Andrew. 
Andrew just wanted to be faithful. One more invite story. There was a, there was a tent revival going on in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina in the 30s. And there was an evangelist by the name of Mordecai Ham who led this tent revival for 11 weeks, Monday through Saturday for 11 weeks. Well, a few weeks into this uh, tent revival, uh, there was a um, story that came out in the newspaper. And uh, the evangelist, Mordecai Ham, was saying that, uh, you know, there in this uh, high school across the street, there's this uh, lunch ministry going on for uh, the the kids at school. Kids are invited to come over to this this house for lunch, but there's a whole lot more than lunch going on across the street from this school. And the kids in the high school they got kind of upset about that, you know, this preacher running down what was happening across the street, and uh, and so. There was a gentleman who had been going to the revival, and uh, he came up to this one individual, this, this uh, student, high school student, uh, who was kind of upset about this. And he said, listen, why don't you go and hear about this fighting preacher that you heard about, that uh, you're upset about? In fact, you go and you get as many of your friends to go, and I will give you my truck. It was a produce truck. And you can put as many kids in that as possible, and you go and hear this fighting preacher. Well, that piqued his interest, and so, yeah, he wanted to go and find out what this fighting preacher is all about. He went, and he heard the message that night, and he was mesmerized. And the story goes that he kept going back to hear this this evangelist, Mordecai Ham. And... Uh, this young man was confused because, you know, this preacher was pointing his bony finger right at this young man, wondering, why is he talking to me? And so he'd move around in that tent, you know, each night. And finally, he and a friend decided that they were going to move up into the choir loft because they, he kept talk, pointing his bony finger at him. But there was one night... When this young man, when the altar call was given, went to the front and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And that young man's name was Billy Graham. And the rest is history. How did it start by an Andrew saying, hey, why don't you take my truck? You go listen to this fighting preacher. God uses ordinary preachers, ordinary people. Jesus just wants us to do our part. Be Andrew. And God will do the rest. You know, as as people... When we open up an apple, we can count the seeds 
in an apple. We know the number of the seeds in the apple. But you know, with God, God can look at that apple seed and he can count the number of apples in that seed. You don't know who you're going to be bringing to Jesus. You don't know what God is going to do in that person's life. But God does. Just do your part. Church, I'm tired of trying to figure out budgets. I'm tired of worrying about facilities and deficits and people's problems with different things in the church. Doesn't mean I don't care about it. But I'm learning to develop thicker skin about those things. Focus on what matters most. And those, what matters most is those who are without Christ. We are here to share the good news of the gospel. And then disciple them. Grow them up in Christ. But let's not just be so consumed about growing people up in Christ and losing the fact that we need to be sharing the good news of Christ. This next weekend is a tremendous opportunity. And I want us to do, I want as a church to do more things like that in our community, in our body. In April, the Harrises are going to be back. They're going to have another opportunity to share Whitney's story. If you haven't heard that story, you need to be here. But don't come by yourself. Bring somebody who you know needs Jesus. I don't know if Whitney's going to be here tonight. She might. But it is an incredible testimony. The people of Ridgecrest need, need to hear her story. So, first weekend of April. But let's be Andrew. Come and see. I have found the Messiah. And let Jesus do the rest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time of preparation in anticipation of next weekend. God, we want to see you do something that only you can get the glory for. And God, our community needs it. The churches of Ristress are desperate for you to move among us. But nothing will happen. If we're not convinced that you are the Messiah, that you are the answer to the issues that our neighbors are struggling with in life.
God, may we all be Andrew. It's urgent. Because nobody's promised today. God, help us to be more and more conscientious of eternity and those around us and simply telling our story and believing, God, what you can do in their life as a result. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.